know a lot of people like to order more than one set so that they've got lots of fiber. But when I've got a limited supply to begin with, it would be really nice if people could, you know, just stick to, to one set to begin with. In a world of store-bought items and a world that seems to never slow down, we make with our hands and tools. Here at Woolen Spinning Radio, we take a moment to breathe, to chat, to reflect. As the world continues in a whirlwind around us, we sit quietly at our spinning wheels with our knitting needles or on our looms. The gentle motion of twisting a spindle, watching it dropping slowly to the ground, or the click-clack of needles tapping against each other as we turn a heel, brings solace and comfort. We make with our hands because we love the process and value our handmade items. While they are never perfect, our yarns might be gently thick and thin or just plain over-twisted. In this place, we discuss what it means to be a maker, to use our hands. Join us as I chat with others in our community about these ideas, challenges, and rewards. Thank you for your time spent here in this place. You are always welcome. chat about reading color study for this month and Katrina's going to let us know about dates and um, chat a little bit about her inspiration for this study and how this came came together we started talking about Shetland how long ago was it now like maybe a year September <laughs> yeah it was a, a long time ago <laughs> well especially because you were quite worried I remember chatting with you in March and I remember like being really concerned about whether or not you were going to be able to get stuff because the supply chains are, have been so challenging in 2020. Yeah, there's been a lot of disruptions in the supply chains. A lot of the mills in, um, in the UK were shut down for a while. And so it's caused huge delays. Like I know when we did uh, the last study with the organic Polworth, um, I was really excited because I'm like, okay, well, this is a study that we can do and, and we can do back orders if need be because it's it's a regular product that I carry and then I couldn't get it. And That's I didn't funny. end up actually getting more until July or August of this year. And I had been waiting since, I don't know, September, October of last year. Wow. And Sorry. that's from the UK. Sorry, right? July or August of 20. 2020 and I'd been waiting since 2019 so forgetting that it's like the beginning of 2021 now I know that every, I feel like everything is such a blur right now yeah and um yeah. a big part of that was is our supplier just couldn't get any products because all the mills shut down in the UK wow and, um and so I haven't had too many problems with getting getting supplies but um, one of my distributors in the UK, I couldn't order from them for a couple of months because they were shut down. Right. And so, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a fine balancing act in terms of making sure you have enough product on hand. Um, but also ordering enough that you've got a safety cushion. Yeah, exactly. Right. And this wasn't, 
um, this time around, this fiber isn't one that you stock normally, right? You don't you don't generally carry it as part of your inventory. No, Shetland is like a pulver. No, unlike the like the organic Polworth was the first time that we used something that I stock regularly. Yeah, and um, other and than that, we always ordered it in special for the study. Right, except for the Targia, it didn't we do? Oh, we, we did do Targia. Yeah, that was back at the beginning. Yeah, that was a long time ago. I forgot about <laughs> Targia. <laughs> that crazy. We've been doing these for like a number of years now. Well, and they all start to sort of blend together and. There yeah. was one study that I actually like went back through and looked at all the colors to see if I could come up with like new colors that we hadn't explored before. And I'm like, wow, we've actually covered a lot of colors. We've covered a lot and a lot of combinations of colors. Yeah. Cause we did that. We did several studies towards the beginning on split complements, which covered mm -hmm. a, a huge amount um, yeah. of color theory and yeah. So interesting. So should we talk a little bit about why we chose the fiber this time around that we chose and what our conversation, like sort of what our thought process was around it? So our thought process, we, we'd been talking because we'd done a bit of studying with regards to white and black in braids and how that changes the colors. Mm -hmm. We decided that we would do a study where you guys had different colors of the base fiber with the same colors applied and how the base fiber color affects the end result. Mm -hmm. And so Shetland is one of those breeds that has a huge abundance and array of colors. And um, again, because of the supply chain issues, when I went to order, I had a choice of four when there's usually eight or nine choices, I think, yeah. um, that I can get from my supplier. So uh, there was, white, black, gray, and moret, which is a caramelly brown color. Mm -hmm. And so we decided that we would do uh, the white, the gray, and the moret. And so I've applied the same colors to all of those. And I know you guys have seen the sneak peek of what those colors look like, but we'll add photos and that sort of stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the gray that they, they sent is a really quite warm gray. It's got a lot of brown in it. Mm -hmm. And so it tends to be like some of the grays are a little bit cooler and a little bit more on the the blue side than the the warm side. Mm -hmm. um, but this gray is quite a warm gray. And so the resulting colors change so drastically on the bases just just because of the base color. Mm -hmm. And because there's the difference in the bases, um, I've left a small part of each braid as undyed when I've, I've applied the fiber. I mean, I, I, when I've applied the dye to the fiber. And part of the reason for that is, so the image that I chose for this time is one of mine, which is a first for us as well, because usually we choose one from the community. Mm -hmm. But when I was looking for colors this time, there was one image that I had taken over the summer that meant a great deal to me. And I thought, you know what? I really want to use this photograph and and the story behind it and and stuff which we'll share today. Mm -hmm. um, I just thought that it would really tie into with this study being at the beginning of a new year with so much that happened in 2020 for a lot of us and the shutdowns and the 
upheaval and canceled plans and all of that sort of stuff. Um, I wanted this study to be a little bit about hope and brightness and letting in the light. Mm -hmm. And so the image that I chose is one that I took at the top of Golden Ears, a, a hike on Golden Ears Mountain. So for those of you that aren't in the Lower Mainland, Golden Ears is uh, a mountain in BC that's about a 20 minute drive from my house. Mm -hmm. And um, Eric does a lot of overnight hike camping trips and he has done for ever, like since well before I knew him, he used to spend New Year's Eve out in the middle of the bush, like <laughs> camping with one of his buddies, like in his, you know, late teens, early twenties. That's so that, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Eric's been doing this for 20, 30 years. So yeah. I guess, well, he's, he's 41. So yeah, sort of since he was 18, 19, he started doing this sort of stuff. Yeah, that's really cool. I so knew he, he did it, but I didn't know he um, uh, did winter stuff as well. Oh, yeah. He's he's crazy like that. <laughs> that's really cool. I love that. And so I've done a couple of them with him, but we haven't done one for a really long time because kids and life and mm -hmm. taking that much time away from them is just, it's hard. Mm -hmm. And they're not quite old enough to go on no. some of the tracks that you guys do. No. And so... Um, this particular hike is about 24k round trip. Mm -hmm. And so it's 12k up the mountain. And I do mean up the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 4000 foot elevation game. And so there were moments on that hike where I was just like, I can't do this. This is just mm -hmm. brutal. I can't go up anymore. And I just kept kept going and kept going and kept going and I would pause and Eric kept looking every time we would stop for a place to to camp that we could just camp where we were rather than having to get to the to the top mm -hmm. um but when I got to the top it was like that reward was a beautiful view you could see um pit lake which stretches out behind golden ears and and all down the the valley there and mountain ranges all around you and we got up there in time for sunset that night and and it was stunning yeah and the next morning we woke up to a cloud inversion so we were above the clouds and so all you could see around us was the sun coming up and peaks of mountains Wow. And so I took a photograph and that's the photograph that I've used. And what I've titled this colorway is always believe. Oh, I love that. And so I think, you know, when we look at something that challenges us and when we sort of put ourselves in that position where we test our limits and push beyond them and and that's what color study is about, is pushing our comfort zones and, and stepping outside them. Um, it was one of those things that I kept saying to myself is you have to believe that you can do this mm -hmm. in order to get to the top. And when I finally got there, it was kind of like this, 
the sense of accomplishment that you get when you achieve that thing that you think is too hard to achieve mm-hmm. is is really quite awe-inspiring yeah it's and so yeah and so that's that's why I chose that image was it was just like bringing that sense of hope and that sense of peace and mm. stuff into a, a new year when we've all sort of suffered great losses through 2020 whether those losses are significantly um, larger than others like I think everybody collectively as a world we felt a sense of loss and a sense of and I think that's just that sense of normalcy that that we've all grown accustomed to that was sort of turned on its head for 2020. Mm-hmm. And so that belief that we can get to the other side and that belief that things will get back to some sort of semblance of what we were used to. I think there's going to be changes in the way that things are done going forward. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think we'll get back to where we were pre-2020 for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that there's that underlying current of always believing and always having that sense of hope. Mm-hmm. And um, so the colors that morning are, you know, sort of the white for the clouds and then the sun coming up, which which created sort of the lovely yellows and pinks and, and oranges. And then a little bit of purple was in there and then there was the mountains that were sort of blue and then some of the mountains because of the shading they were quite black and so when I've dyed this on the braid it sort of goes from the white through to the black you know sort of white yellow orange pink purple blue black yep. and the white because we've got three different bases is that natural color on those three different bases so you're going to have that representation of of what the base colors were. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really fascinating to apply the exact same dye from the exact same bottles to three different colored bases and see how incredibly different those colors translate. Yeah. Um, You know, like, I mean, the yellow on the, the Moret is really hard to see, like, it sort of looks more orangey. And so the you lose that sort of transition between the yellow, orange, and pink um, on the moret just because it's such a dark base. Yeah. Um, and so those lighter colors that are on the white are really quite bright. But whereas on the the shades of of even the gray, um, it doesn't have the same sort of lightness and brightness to it yeah and it, it there's not that same intensity hey no yeah and I knew that I was taking a chance with with using a lighter um depth of shade in my in my dye colors mm-hmm. that they wouldn't translate well onto the darker shades just from from having dyed gray before mm-hmm. um and some browns the lighter shades don't always absorb the same way just because there's such a dark base to overcome Mm -hmm. but I thought it would be an interesting experiment to to sort of see how it how it all works out how did you find dyeing and working with the Shetland thus far um because it's not generally a fiber that you work with 
No, it's a very, it's a very spongy fiber. Um, the Shetland tends to be very soft. Um, like I had some Shetland that I used when I was first learning to spin and it was quite coarse. Mm. And I didn't find that to be the case with this, this batch of Shetland. It's, it's actually quite a soft Shetland. Like I, I, the Shetland that I spun when I was um, first learning to spin was, was not something that I could wear next to the skin. Oh, and that's saying something because you can tolerate a lot. Mm, I'm fairly sensitive, but I I thought you were pretty, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. No, I'm fairly sensitive. And, and so the fact that I can actually put this next to my skin is saying something about this particular Shetland because Shetland that I got when I was first learning was definitely not something that I could wear next to my skin. You think the stuff you were learning on was maybe double coated and the, um, the outer coat had been maybe left in? Possibly. I, I have no idea. Yeah. It'd be interesting to sort of go back and see, like knowing what we know now. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's quite a lovely, soft, spongy Shetland. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it absorbs the dyes very similar to Targi in, in the way that it absorbs the dye. Um, Does it take a lot of dye? Yeah. 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 Um, and it's, but once it's in there, it doesn't seem to run. Like I was a little bit worried about dyeing with black on the braid that the black would run. Yeah. Cause we've run into that in the past. Yeah. And, and that's definitely what happened with, um, I think it was the Massim study that we did that it ran like mm-hmm. crazy. I remember that. Yeah. And, um, whereas this it just, it sort of stays where it's put and it doesn't, it doesn't move at all. Well, that's good. And, is really good (laughs) because you kind of lose the effect of some of the lighter colors if it was all absorbed with black yeah (laughs) there is that (laughs) there is that Hmm. so yeah that's that's sort of the the story and the inspiration and yeah and where the colors came from now I have a question for you because I have been staring at my brains sitting on my table for the last couple of weeks. Cause of course I grabbed them from you back mid December, which just seems like eons ago. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your sort of, we were chatting about them, the colors and, and about this study in queries and explorations a couple of weeks ago. And uh, Sonia, she, she thinks that she might spin hers by breaking all the colors apart and creating a whole bunch of different gradients. So light to dark. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is, is a really great idea um, because you're working with this fiber and you're dyeing it and you're in your studio uh, working on it. You're staring at it, you know, all day, um, every day for, for a couple of weeks, if not a bit longer. What, so I know that you think about um, how you would spin it and what you would do with it and what you would make and whatnot. So um, I would love to hear, because to be honest with you this time around, and I think it's just I'm really feeling my creativity is, is just not, um, what's that word? You know, when you just don't feel, um, particular, not inspired, but like, you're just not feeling the creative juices, you know, Mm -hmm. I would love to hear what you would do with this. So I've got a couple of different thoughts on it. Um, hit me, (laughs) I need need help. So my first thought when I initially saw them is that I would spin each braid separately 
And then I would spin those braids as fractals. Yep. And then use them as a gradient in like a shawl. So oh, start knitting with the, the white fractal and then move to the gray and then move to the brown so that the colors sort of transition from the light to the dark. And would you sort of work them in together so that they would sort of fade almost so that one would, would move from one to the other so that as you're knitting, yeah. you're sort of yeah. in that like striping fade? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So that was sort of my initial thought. Three ply fractal, sorry? Yeah, three ply fractals. I always go for the three ply. Well, I always feel, do you, I, maybe we can talk about this just for a quick sec. I was thinking about this the other day because I was thinking about maybe doing a two ply fractal with something. And then I kind of was like, what's the point? Like, <laughs> isn't that terrible? Because I feel like to get the full, maybe this is just because we did all that sample spinning for the book. So we sort of saw it again and again and again. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I might be wrong. Like this just is what I thought at the time. I wonder if part of it is that um, you get the full effect of fractals with three plies or more. I think that that's part of it. Um, there's so much more color mixing with a two ply or a three ply fractal than, than the two ply fractal. Yeah. Um, just because when you're doing a, the two ply, um, there's a lot of places where the colors line up because there isn't that great variation in the length that you're getting. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people, when they do their two ply fractal, they don't split the second one as much, mm -hmm. you know, they'll do like a one, two or a one, three fractal, mm -hmm. as opposed mm -hmm. to like the one, two, four that you get from doing a three ply, um, or, you know, one, three, six or something like that. And the more you split it, the more that that breaks up the color mm -hmm. and shortens that length of the repeat. Yeah. And so I like three plies because of the variation that you get in the color and the way that the speckling happens. I also tend to spin three plies because I like the three ply shape of the yarn more than yeah. the two. Yeah. And that's a big thing for me is, is I like, I like the roundness of a three ply versus a two ply. And I find you're probably like this too. My spinning is, you know, like my default is quite fine. Same as yours. Mm -hmm. So to yeah. bulk up a yarn, you need those three singles. You know, neither of us probably really want to be knitting on three millimeter needles for absolutely every project, you know? No. Well, and that's that's a big part of it for me is that my default is <laughs> become like 60 wraps per inch. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, it's my my three ply ends up being about 20 wraps per inch, which is like a light fingering. Yeah, exactly. And so you know, the two ply would be lace weight. And I, I definitely can spin heavier if, if I think about it, but sometimes I don't want to think about it. Yeah. So. More often than not, you're sitting down to spin because you want to have that zone out, right? Like you want to just sit exactly. there and spin. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because for you, especially this last couple of years, like your, your spinning time is so coveted, like yeah. with what you've got going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing, like I, I have not had a lot of spinning time. And so when I do spin, I just want to spin for the sake of spinning, not for, you know, challenging myself and stepping outside my comfort zone. No, no. <laughs> it sounds awful because it's, that's not at all what I preach when I'm teaching, 
but it's just yeah right now and with everything else that's been on my plate it's just been like no I'm just gonna spin my default yeah I'm just gonna spin my yeah. six drops per inch Eric's yeah. like why are you spinning thread because <laughs> like, oh. I enjoy it because <laughs> that's just what I like to spin yeah exactly and you do spin a lot of sock yarn I do yeah I do you that is, that is, use it well, socks are an easy project for me to take with, with me when I go to do pickups for the girls and like take them to appointments and things like that. Yeah. It's easy to have a pair of socks on the go. And so, yeah, I do tend to spin a lot of sock yarn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and you're doing the same as me, like you're waiting a lot too. So then it's an easy yeah. pick up and put down project. Exactly. And yeah. so like, I mean, plain vanilla socks that don't take any thought process other than you know when I turn my heel and do my yeah. basset increases <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah you can you just know. go out yeah it, so, it can just be sitting for hours and hours exactly well and I find too like when you're sitting in the car it's really hard to be following an intricate pattern <laughs> like mm -hmm. first of all where does the pattern sit and if yeah. it's on your phone then you're constantly turning on your phone and chances are you and I have another child with us <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so miles of stock in it, it is. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> okay, so you would do the three-ply fractal with the gradient effect of the natural colors. Yeah. Um, and that you said that was your initial thought when you first started, right? It is. And then the more that I've looked at it, the more I'm like, I wonder <laughs> what it would look like if I did a three-ply fractal but that I did it where the plies were each from a different braid. Oh, interesting. So that like, for instance, take the white and leave it as the whole. And spin it end to end. And spin it end to end. And then take the gray mm -hmm. and split it twice mm -hmm. or three times. And then take the brown and split it you know four times or six times or or whatever I decide for the second and then spin those each to their separate bobbins and then ply those together that's interesting mm. and so and then you'd have a sweater quantity of yarn pretty much yeah or yeah. A contrasting color maybe the background color in color work or something or sorry the the contrast color in uh, color work mm-hmm Mm. So, um, well, and, and I am going to have full braid sets and then half braid sets. Oh, okay. Yep. So there will be the option to do three full braids or three half braids. So you'll get like sort of a braid and a half. Yep. Um, 150 grams of fiber approximately. Yeah. Approximately For the half braid sets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause I do my braids at four ounces. So that's a little bit more, it's like 114 grams or something like that oh, okay yeah so it ends up being I don't know 170 grams I think for the the half braid sets mm -hmm. I think it doesn't matter um <laughs> that, six, ounces, that's six ounces of fiber but so that was like sort of my second thought and then my third thought was ooh, I could do like if I did like a full set 
Yeah. I could take half of it, like split it in half horizontally. Yeah. Do each as a separate three ply fractal uh-huh. and then do the combined three ply fractal and really have sort of like, and use the, um, the one that has the three colors in it as the bridge between the colors. Oh yeah. So yeah, that was- That one is like your background color. Yeah. Cool. So those were my thoughts. Yeah. I had gotten as far as um, spinning each to its own bobbin and then doing a three ply where you'd have each singles um, be uh, its own colorway. So you yeah. have, and then if you if you lined them up in the plying so that you start at the first spun end, the sort of the quote unquote top of the braid. Yeah. So that as closely as possible, um, it would move through. You'd have all of the yellow match up. You'd have all the natural mm-hmm. colors match up. You'd have all of the blue match up, and so on. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that would be really quite gorgeous because where you have the natural colors plying together, you'd have that little bit of barber pulling with the white mm-hmm. against the moret and the gray, but not not unpleasantly so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I had thought about taking like half of each of them and doing that. And then I was thinking about taking the other half of each of them and doing something different. Mm-hmm. I do love the idea of the fractals. I think that would be a really fantastic way to combine them. In some ways, this study almost ended up being a bit of a combo spin again, sort of like mm-hmm. our um, fin study. Yeah. yeah. Which we seem to always come back to combo spinning. I think with combo spinning, you just get such a variation in what you can create. Yeah. And um, I think too, like with doing this on different bases, because the gray is quite a warm gray, Mm -hmm. um, it transitions quite pleasantly from the white to the gray to the moret. Yeah. There isn't huge contrast. Like there's a big contrast in terms of the depth of their colors. But in terms of how they they blend together, it's not gonna be sort of really harsh. That gray sort of is this midpoint between the white and the moret, which just sort of helps to to balance them really, really quite nicely. It almost kind of creates a natural gradient um, because of that brown being so warm. Yeah. Or sorry, the gray being so brown is so warm. And the moret isn't so dark, you know? Like sometimes you see the morets and they are very, very dark, but this is just a really lovely, I would almost call it a medium gray, medium brown, um, Mm -hmm. not black Shetlands, that's for sure. Yeah, no, it's definitely a medium brown. Like there, there was the option for black, which was really cool. And I'm like, there's no way that that dye is going to show up on that at all. We would have had to do that on its own, like just as a natural shade. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the other thing about this study that I love too, is because you left some of the natural as part of the colorway, Mm -hmm. um, people can sort of of double dip a little bit and work on, use this fiber um, as part of our natural shades along as well. So Mm -hmm. if people want to sort of share, if they want to, especially if they're going to combine it with other natural shades of Jetland, because people have been chatting about that as well in the community. Well, Shetland is just such an amazing range of colors yeah um which is why we had talked about shetland 
for this particular study because there is just this dearth of colors that you can choose from. Yeah. And so um, I usually have quite a bit more that I can choose from than what I ended up having to choose from, from my supplier. Um, they usually have, like I said, eight or nine different shades. Yeah. And uh, so to be limited to, to four shades to choose from, I was kind of like, oh, I don't actually want that brown, but I guess I have to go with it. <laughs> well, and it is really beautiful. I mean, it is. Yeah. Of the three braids, that one's my favorite. I just think it's absolutely gorgeous. It's really, um, because the colors are so subdued on it, mm -hmm. it's, um, it's a very moody braid. Yeah. But also very pleasing because it's warm. Yeah, it's very warm and very pleasing, but it's very moody. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of the um, Masson braid that had the black, mm -hmm. the Starry Nights colorway. Yeah, because um, that was that was sort of that that same contrast where you had that really bright braid versus the other two that were one was really bright and sunny and the other one was very dark and very moody. And that was how people described it too as they were spinning. Yeah. 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 So do you want to give people some details around um, ordering and what that's going to look like? And obviously it will be in your newsletter. It'll be in my newsletter and there'll be posts on Patreon for all of this, but do you yeah. want to just, there's a lot of people in the community where this is going to be their first study, uh, their first color study and um, aren't familiar with the process. So um, we just need to sort of outline that for people. So the braids are going to go live on January 25th, which is a Monday. Um, I'd hope to have them out a little bit earlier, but I've been having some problems with my hands, so I'm not able to dye as much as I normally do during the day. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little bit behind where I wanted to be. So when we do big studies like this, the problem is, is that it's a lot of dyeing. <laughs> That's an with, understatement. With not a lot of um, available product. So I'm dyeing 120 braids or 122, I think maybe, I don't know. It's something like that. It's but that means that, that means that when I break it down into like three full braids per bundle, that's like 40 full sets to, to work with. Yeah. Um, what I will probably do is usually when, when we do something like this is I monitor how sales are going. Mm -hmm the first little while um, and adjust to make sure that the half braids or the full braids don't sell out a lot faster than than the other mm -hmm. um, and so what I'll likely do is put up 30 full sets and uh, it'll be 20 half sets mm -hmm. that will end up coming out of it but I'll adjust it as as the morning goes on yeah um, because it's such a lot of dying <laughs> it's, I, I don't want anybody to walk away disappointed because they, they didn't get a set. Yeah. So if it sells out really quickly on that first morning, I will open it up for pre-orders. Mm -hmm. Now, a couple of things about the pre-order is one, I'm going to have to get enough pre-orders in order to order my minimum from my supplier. Yes. And two, if you order on the pre-order, it's going to be 10 to 12 weeks before I ship. Yeah. 
because I'm going to need enough lead time to get the fiber in from my supplier, which has been delayed and with more lockdowns having happened over the, the winter and stuff like that, it's, I don't know how quickly I will get my fiber mm -hmm. and then I will need time to dye it. And um, so I'm hoping that we won't run out too quickly and that we won't need to go to a pre-order situation, but I will open it up for pre-order if it sells out really quickly. And um, if there's enough interest in the pre-orders, um, then I will order another round and do another set. Um, if the pre-order does not get enough orders, then I will just cancel those orders and refund. Right. Um, because I do have to meet a minimum order from my supplier. And so if I can't meet that minimum order and I don't have anything else that I need to order right now to, to sort of meet that minimum, mm -hmm. um, it just doesn't make sense for me to, to order more. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. So that's, that's how I'm going to handle it this time. Um, the pre-order, if I do open the pre-order will, there will be two stipulations there. If it sells really quickly and I meet my minimum from my, uh, from my supplier, then I'll shut it down because I don't want to have a situation where I'm overextended for how much I need to die. Of course. Yeah, that makes and so. Um, but if I don't like, I'll leave it open for a week to see if I, if I get the minimums, but I will shut it down early if I meet those minimums, if that makes okay. sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, it's, it's sort of this, like, how, how do I, how do I make this as fair as possible for everybody and not. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And um, the reality is, is mm -hmm. my sister comes in and helps with some stuff, but I'm the only dyer. Yeah. And so there's only one me. <laughs> And there's only so many hours in the day. Yeah. And so um, each braid is roughly 15 minutes to dye. Mm -hmm. And so when you start adding that time up, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of time to, to, to spend on, on just dying for the study. Yeah. Yeah. So um, trying to find that, that, balance and like I mean I know people have said well we could just pre-order to begin with and and the problem with doing that is is the stress it causes me of having orders hanging over my head yeah yeah and I've seen a lot of dyers uh especially this year who have overextended themselves and um you know have ended up with year-long backlogs and I really have no desire to do that to people no yeah um, so when well, the braids last for a certain amount of time, and then we're kind of on to the next one too. So you're very aware mm -hmm. of that. Well, and that's, that's no. exactly it too, right? Like here for now, then we move on. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want this study to extend too far into the next study either, because, you know, there's, there's that, that balance that, um, Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to make sure that you guys get them in a, a timely fashion. And so to say that it's going to be a 10 to 12 week lead time is, is a long time to wait. And I, I hope that it'd be faster than that, but 
I can't guarantee it. And so yeah. if you don't get in the initial bunch of braids and we do go ahead with the pre-order, then um, it is going to be a wait time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, I wish there, there was a way to, to sort of mitigate that, but there isn't. Um, the other thing that I would like to say is that if everybody could be respectful of allowing as many people to order as possible, mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of people like to order more than one set so that they've got lots of fiber. But when I've got a limited supply to begin with, it would be really nice if people could, you know, just stick to, to one set to begin with. Mm -hmm. And if there ends up being extras, then order extras later. Um, or if people want to do pre-order, like order one set and then um, order a pre-order set, you know? Yeah. Um, it will mean that you'll get two shipping, shipping charges, mm -hmm. um, you know, because I will send out the ones that, that are done for the 25th mm -hmm. will be sent out that week. And so if you order in that first block before the pre-order opens, they will be sent out that week. So they will be shipped immediately. Yeah. Um, they won't be, you know, like there's still, there's still be a little bit of packing time for me just in terms of um, taking the, the braids and um, cause I won't split any of them until I know exactly how many half braid sets I need. Oh, totally. Yeah. And so there will be some, some packing and shipping time that we'll need to take, but they will probably be out by that Friday. Um, and so, you know, keep in mind that, that if it ends up being a pre-order situation, um, you know, if you, maybe if you do want to order more than one set, mm -hmm. maybe wait until the pre-order opens or something like that. Um, yep. It's just trying to find a way to stretch it as much as possible is <laughs> it's, it's hard because like, I don't yeah. want to end up with making too many and not having and having stock left over, like what happened with the last study. Yeah, totally. Um, so it's, it's this, this balancing act for me, definitely. So I, I think this study is a really good example too, where in, maybe instead of ordering multiple braids right away, people think about like, we've got these natural shades in the braids themselves that you've created. Yeah. Uh, maybe this is a situation where you combine to make a bigger project with, um, one in, one or two or, or more of the natural shades of Shetland. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. Cause you're, you're going to have a little bit of the natural listed too. Is that right? Yeah. I've got, um, I've got five, five braids of each color that I've set aside to list as natural. So mm -hmm. it's not a huge amount, but again, if there's enough for pre-order, I'll open up that for pre-order as well. So there will be the opportunity for, yeah. for more of just the, the natural fiber. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Perfect. it's, yeah, that's, that's how we're going to do it. So it'll go live on the 25th at nine o'clock Pacific. Yeah. Um, and there will be 
So for the Patreons, there will be um, an hour where it's, there's a, a specific link for you guys with a password. Which will be provided um, by me on Patreon. Yeah. And, um, and then um, at 10 o'clock, it goes live to the general public. Yeah. So um, that's sort of how we've done it for the last little while. <laughs> and, and I think it's worked quite well, actually. Yeah. Because we tried to do discount codes and stuff at the beginning, and it just was um, very, very challenging. Well, you know, people would forget to enter them, and then there was a lot more work on my end yeah. to enter them afterwards. And it's just, it yeah. ended up being more work for me. So <laughs> sorry, I'm not doing it that way anymore. Yeah, no, I think a link is, is the way to go. So um, Wool and Spinning Radio is only heard by patrons. So you guys, uh, please watch for the patron-only um, post that will have the link and then the study will go live for everybody at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on January 25th. Yep. Wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. That's great. Okay, I'll stop recording. <laughs>